Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. John Loud making uh, the podcast tour across America must mean only one thing. It's rookie season in the NFL. I mean, let me ask you this, John. You know, everybody, you know, they, they fly there to the Senior Bowl, to the Shrine Bowl in Vegas, and they come back with these detailed reports. Yet, year in and year out, you're sitting in the comfortable confines of your home. You do your rookie analysis, and yours ends up being, like, the most accurate or most actionable. How does this happen? How, how do you do it from the, the the armchair of your office every year? How do you end? What's your process? Because year after year, like I said, you you are coming up with you're finding these sleeper rookies. You're identifying these guys at the Senior Bowl that end up being fantasy studs. That's a great question, and I've thought about that. I think one is because I'm older, so I, so I grew up in a time period where the social media, the multimedia, wasn't really possible, right? So I to watch prospects in the 80s and 90s, it seems like I was in the dark ages. So you did learn to watch games like if Ohio State was playing Michigan in 1991, I needed to see Desmond Howard, Terry Glenn, right? And Because I wasn't getting the YouTube version of the show. So I had to watch the game. So I learned how to take notes that way. And then the other thing is, I play college fantasy football and I've been telling this for p- to people for years. My research really begins in June. I've been studying these rookies since June because I want to know who should I draft in college fantasy football. And of course, when you're doing that, you're also studying the prospects. So by the time November rolls around, I've seen like a guy like Jordan Addison. I've seen him at Pitt four or five times. Seen him at UCL, USC four or five times. So when I plug in the numbers, I watch some tape, I'm way ahead. So those are the two things I think that help me have such an advantage where I don't necessarily – I would love to go. Don't get me wrong. I When I retire, that's a dream is to go down to Mobile. But I'm a teacher, so at this time of the year, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, for you, going to the Senior Bowl in Mobile would be just kind of like a fun thing to do. But oh. it seems like, right, like you said, that the the process, the uh, the grit, the hard work that you put in to help everyone uh, have an advantage in Dynasty and in, with these rookies in redraft as well is done from uh, the confines of that 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 office that you're sitting in there. And the Rotowire Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast, of course, is brought to you by Underdog. Uh, fantasy, which 2023 early best balls are open, and uh, I've been playing those already. Have you jumped into a best ball yet this year, or is that just too sick for you at this point? I have my. I just finished my rankings. I will jump in soon, yeah. but I, I do like to get through the Senior Bowl, and, and so I'm, I'm almost done with my prospect analysis. I've probably watched 85 percent of the players, and and some more will trickle, and that happens always. But I'm so good at, at right now where I stand on 85%. I just want to get that other stuff out of the way. Then I can jump in. All right. You mentioned that you've been, you know, you play college fantasy and that you're watching these guys starting, you know, in the summer. So, you're, you know, 
we're getting up to speed on Jordan Addison already. He's old hat to you. So here, here's the question though, because you know, it's, this is not breaking news that some guys, some players that are good in college are not going to translate to Sunday. What's something that you're looking for in Saturday players that translates to Sunday? What's something that you see your, uh, a couple traits or is it, you know, that you're like, Oh, this guy's going to, it has a good chance to be good in the NFL. I'll tell you one trait for each of the three big positions for dynasty quarterback. It's, it is the ability to throw the ball into tight coverage or anticipatory throwing, depending on how you want to do it. What made Brett Favre, John Elway, and you know, then more recently Aaron Rodgers great is the ability the man has half a yard of separation. Let the ball rip. Let your player make the play. I think that's the biggest problem with Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is completely talented, but how often do you see him hold on to the ball? In the NFL, you have windows that are so small. So I want to see the player let it rip, which is a problem in today's spread schemes. Because what happens is the coordinators are so good, Alan, you get these wide open wide receivers. So sometimes quarterbacks have a little nervous habit. They're waiting for that big window of opportunity, which you're not going to get very often in the NFL. Is that, but I just want to ask you, so it's like what's open, you know, you've heard this a million times, like what's open in college is not open in the NFL and you have to make those throws. When I say you, the quarterback needs to make those throws when the receiver isn't even open. So that, you know, I I haven't heard that one talked about too much, a little bit, but that's an interesting point because, you know, you always hear quarterback is so hard to, uh, to evaluate. It's all about processing. Could they process at that speed? I think you just underlined something because that's something that, you know, even if you're just getting into watching film or watching highlights that you could, you know, that's a good actionable takeaway right there. So I interrupted. When I watch Derek Carr, I, I get frustrated. Like, why did you not let that ball go? And, you know, Hey, you could be Eli Manning who had unwavering faith in his receivers. And sometimes they made mistakes in him and he had a high interception total. But Eli Manning believed in his receivers to make the play. But I think to be a successful enough quarterback, you have to do that. Running backs. I always grade inside out. What I mean by that, can the player, do they have vision in traffic? And can they run between the tackles? And I want to see, and I, I like this when you have a team that is overmatched. So sometimes you might get a great running back and you look in the box score. 18 carries, 46 yards. But wait a second. They're playing a top 10 run defense in the nation. Their offensive line is 15 pounds smaller because you can have incredible mismatches in college football, right? Does that player get two or three yards? Are they seeing the holes that are there even though they're limited and tiny? So I grade in the NFL, I think if you're going to have a 1,400-yard season, double-digit touchdowns, Alan, you have to run between the tackles. Yes, and then I grade to the outside. Do they have the speed to the outside? Do they have the vision? But if you can't run between the tackles, Alan, you're not going to get 250 carries. Well, maybe let's just say 200. We know where the league is. Right? The league is changing now. You're not getting 200 carries if you can't do that successfully in the NFL. So I grade what I call inside out. How can the running back run between the tackles. All right. And then how about tight end? Tight end. I'm looking for blocking and I'm looking for the ability to get open in the middle of the seat, in the middle of the field. 
we know we want tight ends who can either find the hole in the zone coverage or break down a safety physically. And I either they can get on top of them, get, you know, have them stacked behind them. Now that's rare. Gronkowski is one. Mark Andrews. It's rare that you obviously Kelsey for a tight end to stack a safety, but you can be a very good tight end in the NFL. If you know how to find that open hole in between the, the hash marks, because yes, it's nice when you get a safety to the outside, but we have receivers running four, fours, four, three, five, right? So we need the tight ends in the middle of the field. And then I'm assuming for wide receivers, it's route running, right? I mean, that's what it, it used to be this, like, you know, you needed this Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones type of portfolio, which is good, yes. but it seems like some of the most successful fantasy guys, PPR guys are the elite route runners. I mean, isn't that what Cooper cup was at the senior bowl a couple of years, you know, going back, you know, a bunch of years now. Yes. I like route running, but I'll say this. It's the ability to gain separation late in the route. What is happening in both college and now the NFL? This started my analysis, and this is another reason I like college fantasy football. I was watching Lamar Jackson nine years ago. I was watching Tim Tebow, the evolution of the dual threat quarterback at the college level first. Now we have a new generation of young men who are actually better throwers. Tim Tebow wasn't a good thrower of the football, but he was a very good athlete and um at the time, Urban Meyer could scheme wide open wide receivers so Tebow would complete would make completions. Why do I say that? We have now Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, superior at buying time in the pocket. Well, what does that mean? I need receivers who can gain separation late down the field. That's one of the reasons I love Garrett Wilson last year, Allen. He was my number one guy. And I know part of it was Ohio State, but the other part, was they, you have to have a quarterback to either a great offensive line to give the quarterback time or a quarterback who can buy time. And you know what I saw at Ohio State? Garrett Wilson's like waving like 10 yards wide open. And that happened with the Jets. I mean, there's tape. If you watch all 22 with Garrett Wilson, he is wide open sometimes. And that's crazy in the NFL. So I'm looking for this late level separation. And that's why Devontae Smith is so good. He is such, and it's route running. You're right about that. But also, when Hertz is on the run, Devonta Smith gets, oh, this is what I need to do to get open. And those quick feet is just <coughs> an amazing late option for Jalen Hurts. So without going into too much detail, because I have a ton of questions for you here, but who are one or two of the guys just in underclassmen, senior bowl, that you think are elite in this year's class as far as uh, the late, uh, getting open late in the route? I'll tell you three who I think I have in the top five. It's, I'm, I'll, I'll give you some insight. Number one is Jordan Addison. I think he's unbelievable. I absolutely love him. I mentioned him already. Josh Downs out of UNC is going to be fascinating because he's on the lighter side. But I don't ding players as much as I did eight years ago when I'm looking for the next Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones. Josh Downs is crazy good, my friend. He had Sam Howell, and he had a true freshman at quarterback this year, Drake May. And Josh Downs put out insanity numbers. He is so good with late separation. 
And then the third BC's. Well, wait, hang on. Before you say that, so you said he's light 5'10, 180, right? I yeah, mean, he, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I know that's light, but by today's NFL standards, oh. it's like normal light, right? It's not yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, so you're right. In today, I no longer look at that and say it's small. Right, right, right. That's Ten years I ago, I said that was small. Three years ago. Anymore. Do you remember the Devontae Smith argument yeah. that he couldn't, you know, that he would be whittled away? And now he's going to be a second round dynasty startup pick. So, yeah. <laughs> There goes He's that. Unbelievable. And then the player who's actually, I'm so happy because I've been talking about him for three years. Zay Flowers out of Boston College. Now, I don't have a first round grade, but people are pushing him into the first round. Couple reasons I think why. He can play slot and on the outside. So he has experience in both, which is which is also something I look for when I look at how they're deployed across the field. But Zay Jones is a great route runner. People were concerned that he took the Shrine Bowl. Look into your homework. They offered him the position first, and the young man didn't turn him down. He stuck to his word. That's why he was at the Shrine Bowl. He's unbelievable. He might sneak into the first round. I mean, I like him a ton, Alan. Yeah, uh, just, you know, for editorial note, you uh, Freudinly slipped and said Zay Jones. I know you mean Zay Flower. (laughs) (laughs) Zay Jones was good this year. I I like him this year. Here, I yeah. am all over. All right. So explain to me how uh, with Zay Flowers and, you know, again, the, w- we try to keep this thing structured, but there's no taming the beast that's known as the gridiron <laughs> scholar. There's no taming him. Uh, five foot 11, like 178 pounds, but 12 touchdowns. I mean, how does he score? So for those just getting a you, you take for granted, actually, you don't that you're an expert. You've been talking about this stuff for months and months and months. But a lot of people that are going to tune into this video really want, you know, they're getting this is their first pass at some of these guys Now we've heard the, the name Zay Flowers flowers over this last week at the shrine bowl standout but so how does he do it how does he get double digit touchdowns at 178 pounds <laughs> and play for boston college right and i dare people who ask who is the quarterback for boston college so you, you got to understand context too. the variety of quarterbacks across the nfl or across college football are very different right so he has people throwing him the ball who are not necessarily pro quarterbacks one, he is excellent one-on-one. There are very few defensive backs who can take him one-on-one. Now, you might want to try to jam him, but you know what, Alan? Offense coordinators are smart nowadays. This isn't 1990 where you put the X receiver and you leave him there or the Z receiver. Put flowers in motion. Create the mismatch. You can do get him on his feet because he has swift and beautiful feet. So he wins with immediate burst off the line of scrimmage. So if you're looking for that blitz pickup and you want that wide receiver, you know, like Julian Edelman used to do for Brady, just boom, get the ball out of your hands. Zay Flowers can give you immediate separation and a window to throw the football. And then he wins further down in the route. Allen, he can win deep downfield. If he's one-on-one, and this is where I get frustrated with Derek Carr, If Zay Flowers is one-on-one 35 yards down the field on a scramble drill, Allen, throw him the ball. Just, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's sometimes it's just so frustrating when you watch NFL quarterbacks eat it. Let your your great wide receivers make plays. These numbers, and friends, he played at Boston College, so you've got to understand how even more significant these are. 200 career receptions. This is what I love. I have a benchmark. I'm looking for 15 yards per reception. He's at 15.3, Allen. He's getting the ball down the field. He was a 36% aerial dominator 
for Boston College when the defense only had to stop one guy. And then you and he has I hate this term because it's 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 subjective in a way, but he does have that alpha male mentality, right? Give me the ball. The great ones have it. Sometimes the media makes fun because the wide receiver's talking. Do I want a wide receiver who doesn't want the ball? I mean, maybe I'm crazy. I want a wide receiver who wants the ball. You know, let him chirp away. That's fine. Right. If, well, you know, we talk about the squeaky wheel narrative in fantasy football when an alpha wide receiver says, hey, I'm not getting the damn ball enough. The next week, <laughs> we're playing that guy in DFS. We're, we're shoving him into our lineup. So let me ask you this. He, with Flowers, since we're on the, the topic of, you now, He's getting first round buzz, but in all likelihood, he's more likely what, like a top 55 pick, let's just say conservatively. That's so I'm what gonna, I would say. Okay. So I'm going to read you the teams that are drafting the top 10 teams in the second round. And then I want you to, uh, uh, here you go, really quick. This is the order. Pittsburgh is going to pick 33rd. They they got that Chase Claypool pick right there. <laughs> Houston, Arizona, Indy, the Rams, uh, Seattle. Vegas, Carolina, New Orleans. Which one of those teams do you think is most likely to take Flowers, if any? Arizona. Arizona's got it. They they brought in so many bodies under Cliff Kingsbury, and only DeAndre Hopkins was really good, and they didn't use Kirk or Christian Kirk correctly. I mean, we see now yes. Christian Kirk is much better than what they how they used them in Arizona. If they trade Hopkins, which I think they will. Yeah. They do need a guy like Zay Flowers because they need to increase the productivity out wide to even help Kyler Murray more. And we don't know about the injury when he's definitely going to get on the field, but they need help at the wide receiver. Yeah, and they also have Hollywood Brown, so they'll they'll be small at wide receiver. But then you could always find like a you know they'll they'll have some big tight ends. They have McBride, so you could find a big sort of body Corey Davis type. Those guys are always available, and you know in free agency. I mean, you know it's not a big uh, NFL wide receiver free agency class, but there's there's names, there's brand names that you could bring in if those are your two guys. So it looks like the dynasty takeaway here, uh, John Laub, is that it's a good year to have 2023 second round rookie picks in your dynasty league. Oh, absolutely. You know what? I, I've been thinking about this because I'm looking. I have five dynasty teams. So I, I haven't initiated trading because I'm studying. I also have a family. So I only have. How dare you? <laughs> I only How have dare some, you? Right. I mean, I wish I could have 50 dynasty teams. But well, so I'm looking don't. at the picks that I have. You know what? This might sound counterintuitive. If I had like the fifth pick in the first round and I could trade it for two number twos and like a number three. I'm really considering doing that because the second round is loaded, right. my friend. And if you have your own third, your own second round, and then you get two more, well, my odds of hitting on one out of three is so much greater than just making sure I get the number five, the fifth pick, and I nail it. And what if there's injuries? Right? We yeah. know in Dynasty, injuries just curtail us. So I'm actually thinking it's not bad to move down this year, but you need a lot to move down. If that yeah, I was going to say, I know you're you're making the point that second rounders are good, but uh, the, a top five, top six, 2023 first rounder, is that just has so much insulation and so much equity that you could probably even do better. You could probably get, you know, uh, you could probably move to, if some guy has like 110, 
111 plus a second rounder. So, okay. That's a, yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah. Because someone's going to fall in love with one of these top five. I mean, there's, and for good reason in superflex leagues, forget it. It's like a top eight tier, but for sure a top five in single quarterback leagues here. Um, Let's, let's move over to uh, some of the senior bowl takeaways here. I guess one of the, uh, the, the things we kept hearing is that the quarterback play was, you know, there was nothing there that's really going to translate to the NFL. Do you believe that? Or is there any of these guys that showed up, including, um, I mean, I guess it was a mixed bag, but Fresno State, how do you say it? Jake Hayner? Is that how you say his name? Jake Hayner, yes. Hayner, who won the game's MVP. Is is he an NFL prospect? Is he just like a, a late-round guy that's going to get drafted? Or any of the senior bowl quarterbacks worth keeping an eye on in our Superflex drafts? Because traditionally – if you draft one of these in your rookie draft, a third, a fourth round uh, quarterback, that's, you know, sooner or later, you're going to hit on a Jalen Hurts. You're going to hit on, you know, I mean, I know some guys don't work out there, but that's a good spot to collect. Hey, how about Sam Howell last year? There it is. There he it is. Fifth round pick. I have him on three of my teams. There it I'm is. Just, I'm, I'm like this. Please don't draft the quarterback in Washington. You know, you uh, never know, right? Yeah, um, I don't know if they'll draft one, but I think there is a non-zero chance that they could trade for one if they don't, you know. Yeah, but yeah. or or just sign like an Andy Dalton type, you know, or a Matt Ryan type, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, so. I want Howell to have a chance, right? To have an opportunity. That's what I'm right. looking for. So I would say none of them are what I look right now as an immediate starter long term. However, I do like Jake Hayner. I believe Jake Hayner is going to hang around the NFL for a while. Part of the reason why. My model likes him, but there is a fantasy problem with Hayner. He has 109 negative rushing yards in his career. He does nothing for you fantasy-wise as a runner. So if you're looking strictly for fantasy, you would need him to get an offense in which you're going to generate 28 to 34 touchdown passes, and then he would have value in a super flex. Because you're not going to have the floor of 30 yards rushing with possible touchdown. So that's, but as far as a thrower of the football and understanding the game, I think he has an NFL career ahead of him. Now, from a fantasy point, I like Jaron Hall of BYU. Now, port reports were not good out of Mobile on Hall. And I get it. But I have watched him eight times live. And I've broken down the film. I'll say this, Alan. I do think he inherently doesn't have that rip it, right? What I was talking about earlier. Now, is that coachable? That's something that's kind of, I'm not sure. You know, I haven't seen a lot of people gain it. Let's just put it that way. But what he does have, good legs. He's smart with the football. He had 800 career rushing yards. He had 52 touchdowns, only 11 interceptions. If this was the 1990s and you were talking to Mike Holmgren offense or a Bill Walsh where they used to roll the quarterback out and he'd throw the football to two levels on one side of the field, Jaron Hall could do that. He can also buy you time in the pocket. So there are skills there that I like. Now, does he have that little chutzpah to where he does this? That's the part that I... So for those of you, that's Italian for balls. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he has it. Now, could a coach get in his ear and get him to do it? Now, it's funny about Derek Carr. You're telling me John Gruden and um, McDaniels did not break down the film with Carr and say, son, 
you've got to throw this ball. So sometimes maybe it doesn't get through, right? Like I, there's no way McDaniels and Gruden, two quarterback guys, right, who have coached the position, haven't told Derek Carr, yes. son, you need to let the ball go. So Hall's missing that. Yep. But he has the athletic ability. If he's a fourth rounder, which I, I probably think he's a fifth rounder, but if he was in the fourth round, there's some upside with him. Uh, so, by the way, just as an editorial note as well, is that, yes, I know that's not Italian for balls. We know it's Yiddish, okay? So people, <laughs> people saying that's not Italian. Yeah, no, no crap, man. All right. Hey, uh, so uh, our sponsor for this podcast is Underdog Fantasy, and they sent me this, uh, this three-paragraph read, which I think is good. But here – if you love, if you're listening to this podcast, the Dynasty podcast, you, you love drafting. You're addicted to drafting. So just want to let everyone know. I'm going to paraphrase these three paragraphs right here. Underdog Fantasy, the way too early best balls are already open. I play, I've done three of them already. I'm going to start doing some live streaming with them. You can get in a draft for three bucks, five bucks, ten bucks, and draft. I mean, they don't include the rookies just yet, but they will add the rookies in. And right now, if you've never played on Underdog, first of all, it's one of the best places to play it's so easy on your app it's a 30 second clock so if you need that constant slot machine dopamine hit i mean this is it man this is it so right now you can go on there and in the video description of this video there we put a link in there so if you click on that link and use our affiliate link they'll match your deposit so if you put in 20 bucks they'll give you an extra 20 if you put in 100 they'll match 100 up to 100 bucks or just go in there and use promo code rwnfl so just play some best ball, man. If you need to get it, and it is redraft, but it's so interesting. And by the way, I made such a critical error the other day, John. Oh, no. I, I thought I, cause I didn't realize the rookies weren't in there. And I thought I was being slick, taking B. John Robinson, uh, B. Robinson in the third round. And guess who's on my damn team now? Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So just understand there's no rookies in there yet. They will add the rookies. Uh, by the way, you know what? This, so on that, and by the way, thank you underdog for, uh, and I'm here with the grid Island scholar. You follow him as I do uh, grid at grid iron S C O S C H O L 91. It's on your screen. It's in the video description. I, I think the best rookie follow in the industry, but that's just my opinion. Mr. John loud. Um, if you're doing a redraft right now and it's a big money league where you it, unlanded, don't know where he's going. Everyone knows B John Robinson's name. He's the brand name of this class. Uh, let's assume I, I, the only thing I told you is he's a first round pick in real, the real NFL. Where are you drafting him in redraft? Anywhere's after number 10. Okay. That's how confident he's going to be a first rounder once he lands somewhere. If I could get him at like pick 14 or 15, you can. I would be so happy. The upside with Bijan is there. Yeah. Who, who's the comp for him? Because uh, we had a, a friend of the podcast, Cody Carpentier on here, who threw a little cold water. I'm not, he didn't say he was bad. just said like he's more Cam Akers than he is Jonathan Taylor. But he said that wasn't an insult. That's a good thing of what we thought of Cam Akers coming yeah, in. Yeah. So. I would say he's a bit, he's Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, so he's the only look at we know Derrick Henry wasn't a great receiver. Um, but Bijan is not in Saquon's class, but he he could get fed 55 receptions like Najee Harris, and he's a better runner than Najee Harris. His vision, dude, when I talk about inside out, oh. He is special between the tackles. Oof, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're not going to have to convince anybody to take Bijan at 1.1, even in a super flex uh, at this point. All right, let's get back to the Senior Bowl. You, I was enjoying some of these takeaways. We talked about Hayner, who won game MVP honors, but 
he threw that nice pass to Michael Wilson, the wide receiver out of Stanford. So where is Wilson going to rank in your in your dynasty uh, rookie draft? Like, is he going to be a first round real NFL pick? Is he going to uh, end up in the first round of our rookie drafts? And is this a good play for us? Interesting. So I moved him up, but I don't overreact. He's now my wide receiver 16. Oh, OK. And so here's why there's injury concerns in the portfolio. Now, we know that the NFL has certain reports that we don't have, Alan. And the draft, I've learned to read the draft. If Michael Wilson goes on day two, the injury reports are good. The NFL likes what they've read from the medicals. If he goes on day three, that means there's something in there we may not know that the NFL has concerns about. But my model likes him. But if you're an early breakout, you're going to have some questions. And if you're just looking for totality of numbers, you're going like productivity is nice, but not great. But this is where film is important and why I do film and a model. His film is great. Mm. He runs really good routes. I was surprised in the model that he's a little bit better than I thought, because let's put it in context. He's at Stanford. And they have two wide receivers there. And I'm going to compare them to when Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones was at Michigan. Right. They were better athletes and better performers than the offense allowed them. They had Elijah Moore and Michael Wilson. Michael Wilson is the better wide receiver prospect. Elijah Moore, they had him running at the tight end, some drills at the tight end. Very big prospect. But they played for David Shaw at Stanford. Anyone who knows Stanford, they're just running the football, running the football, running the football. So one thing that's interesting, which I was hope would have been higher, his aerial dominator is only 14%. Explain what aerial dominator is. Oh, sure. The percentage of yards, the team's total passing. So he wasn't, and that's his best season was 14%. So so what's a good number? Like what's a number where you're like, oh, this is a good good aerial dominator? I'm looking for 30% is my benchmark where I would be like, wow, this guy is the alpha male. He he, he just knows how to catch a boat like Drake London, right? Just so many passes. I like that. So that's a little bit of a red flag. Now, part of it's also because he was injured, right? But that's understanding the number. Because he didn't play as many games, he doesn't have the aerial dominator, which factors in his injury challenges. But when you watch him on tape, Alan, he's awesome. Also, he does have, you know, the two six two two sixteen, Allen. You would remember we were just talking about Arizona. What if he's sitting there in the third or fourth round? You get a player like Zay Flowers, and you get a wide receiver like Mike Wilson. You have two different skill sets, but two very good route runners. You have the you know the the incredible quick twitch athlete, and then you have the solid route runner who's got a big body. Yep. All right. That makes sense to me. Uh, Let's uh, move back over to running backs here. Uh, Like you said, there's, you know, Bijan Robinson is going to be plowed over a million times. Uh, And it seems like Jameer Gibbs, the running back out of Alabama is, is becoming the consensus uh, running back too. So is that your running back too? And is he, I mean, how, how deep of a tear break is that from Bijan? It's a huge tear break, so let's just right. break that. Right. <laughs> I mean, I might not even take a running back till pick five or six because I like the receivers. Okay. If so you're doing an initial dynasty. 
All right. So let me so let me ask you this. So are we in line here that Gibbs is for, right as of right now is the consensus too? He's not mine. Oh, so, okay, good. So who is? Who is? Oh, Zach Charbonnet. Okay, so we'll come back to him in a minute. Okay. Give me the Gibbs breakdown and what do you expect out of him uh, for fantasy football? Like, I mean, he's obviously going to be – where is he going to go in the real NFL draft? Is he worth a first-round rookie pick in your fantasy draft? And then what kind of a player in comp are we looking for with Gibbs? I have a second-round grade on Gibbs. I do believe he's a first-round pick in Dynasty League's back end. I would love them get him from picks eight to 12. Right. That's, I think, where his value is. I'm, he is a great pass catcher. He is great. 101 career receptions, Georgia Tech and Alabama. There's no question about his route running. Allen, I said it before, he's not great between the tackles. He's, he's good, but he's not great. So I think there's a little scheme dependency and he's a little undersized. He's listed at 200. I'm a big, big. You need to hit that 200 threshold, my friend. Alan Gibbs is listed at 200. Hopefully he comes in at 205. But I have a just, if I grade inside out, he's not the best inside yeah, runner. He's competent. I'm not telling you he's not. But he's not special between the tackles. He's good. And that at the NFL, I think, is going to limit his productivity. Well, let me ask you this. So I, I like your this is actually a little bit of a controversial um, process here because you're talking about from the inside out in fantasy football and just, you know, assuming PPR leagues, we like our pass catching running back. So yes. um, how do you square that with the fan? You know, you're looking for someone that maybe has some staying power that could be an alpha. But is, is there, I guess, a baseline of pass catching that you're looking for in this uh, in your grading system? I do. I look for 50 career receptions out of receiver. But again, so this is where film and numbers, you need to understand the context. Is it just dump off passes or are they running routes down the field? Why I like Gibbs. You can run him on a 20-yard wheel route. Like that's how good he is. When Matt Hicks and I broke down um, Najee Harris, I said he was one of the best pass receivers of the last 10 years coming out in the draft. He was unbelievable on wheel routes to Alabama. They were running him on like routes 10 yards down the field on drag routes, which you don't see that for a running back. So Gibbs can do that. So you're right. But here you have to balance touchdowns with receptions. Look at what Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor have done. They might not, obviously, they're limited as pass catchers. But, Alan, if you're giving me 14 touchdowns a season, I'm going to take the big touchdown explosion. That's why I go from inside out. So a guy I like, like Duke Johnson, who I like coming out of Miami, and I've learned from my mistakes, mm. and I learned from my PPR. I love Duke Johnson Miami, and he's flashed at times. But you know what? I went back to my notes. You know what he wasn't good at, Alan? Run between, between the, the tackles. tackles, yeah. All right, so, well, that's yeah, no, so, yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, and I think that's a good actionable takeaway because anyone watching a dynasty fantasy football podcast in you know in February, or, uh, they they <laughs> probably fa uh, fancy themselves as you know at least amateur, at least you know maybe some prolific film grinders. And I think that's a great takeaway: is inside out, where everyone else is going. Oh, this guy had a lot of receptions, but you're going to end up with Duke Johnson more <laughs> than you are with having a complete fantasy football player. All right, you. Uh, you mentioned that, and by the way, everyone should follow John. Uh, his his. 
Twitter follow, best Twitter follow for rookies and also just for life, man. I, I enjoy you, John. Uh, you know, you. I, I always enjoy your energy and your presence on, on all these podcasts. I, I follow mostly everything you do, uh, the good research. So uh, you talked about your RB2 is going to be the UCLA running back. Six, what was his name? Zach Charbonnet. Is that how you say Zach it? Charbonnet. Okay. So he's, uh, 220 pounds, six foot one, age 22 here. Uh, where do you think he's going to get drafted in the real NFL draft? And what would be an ideal landing spot for him? And then, of course, I want to hear some of your, your player notes on him. Second round pick. I think the NFL is going to love him. And this is where sometimes it's advantage being old. You kind of learn what NFL scouts like. And when they see a 220 pound back, and if I think he might go out and run a 448, like if you're 220 and you're running a 448, Allen, the NFL, their mouths are going to drop on that. He is a great athlete. And why I love him, Allen, he is awesome between the tackles. He is, he is just all man running between the tackles. It's very difficult to take him down with one arm. You've got to hit and wrap on Zach Charbonnet. And what I like, I think he's a better gap runner. But if you look at what Brian Kelly devised for him at UCLA, he ran both gap and zone. He actually ran more zone than he ran gap, but I actually think he's a better gap runner. My ideal spot for him, my friend, would be Tennessee. He might have to sit one year behind Derrick Henry. But, man, you put him in Vrabel's offense and you just let this young man rumble or Atlanta, he – I mean, if he could get Tyler Algier's role with Arthur Smith – and they're not – there's no reason because you're happy enough with Algier. You're not winning the Super Bowl, so you don't have to bring in the superstar running back yet. Roll with Algier and what you got. But if he got that opportunity in Atlanta or Tennessee, oh my God, 75 career receptions, Allen. He's 6'1, 220. He has he has good hands. He's not incredible. But here's where I think how soon does the pass catcher transition upfield? It is can be a little bit subjective, but I've seen really bad pass catchers, right? They have to, like, stop and breathe, look around, and then they go running upfield, right? They might get a sip of coffee. Zach Char- Charbonnet is immediate turnaround. Now, he's not running those wheel routes. He's not running deep patterns. But his, his athleticism to get the ball on the edges in the passing game and immediately sprint upfield is awesome. So he's a pass catcher, he's big, and he averaged 5.9 yards a carry throughout his career. I think the NFL is going to like him a lot more than the Twitterverse. Dynasty. All right. So Tennessee picks at pick 42. You don't think that's too rich? I mean, you'd have to take him there if you're Tennessee, right? I mean, I think you do because I don't think Hassan Haskins is as good as him. I think Haskins is a backup. In the, I think he would be per, – if you go 2024, you have Charbonnet – and you have Haskins in Vrabel's system, then you got something, my friend. Okay. And then the other place, do you think the Chargers might be an interesting landing spot? Because they've been looking for a big back to complement Austin Eckler, and they just keep throwing fourth-round picks at it, and it's not happening. They pick at 55, or is that just not what they're looking for right now? You know, you've got to feel you've gotten more out of Austin Eckler than you could ever imagine with his body type. He's at exactly 200 pounds. 
I think he would go if the Chargers could get him. He's better than anything Los Angeles has right now on their roster. And you could, I know fantasy fans are going to hate this, but you could limit the goal line, the hard carries that Eckler's so good at. Because, you know, you could have Jarbonet early in his career as the short yardage goal line guy and keep Eckler as your home run hitter and pass catcher. You might extend Eckler a little bit longer as a player. And when the Chargers, if you notice, they can't close out a game. Right. Charbonnet might be the difference in that, that, that. Remember Corey clock killing Corey Dillon? There was a lot of truth to that. The Patriots in the cold, they're up by 10 and they just give it to the big boy. Like the Chargers need that. So that I don't think he goes past that 55. That's what I was thinking, yeah, because it just seems like, you know, it already said that they've been looking for somebody and what way to do it. Then. And they're in the Super Bowl window. I mean, you know, they made the playoffs. Yes. They have Justin Herbert and, you know, so you can, you know, you talk about luxury picks. It, yes, when Ooh, the, yeah. when you throw a first-round pick at a running back, that's an extreme luxury. But second round, like, you need the guy to play and, you know, God forbid the unthinkable happens to Austin Eckler. Um, all right, let's keep going with the running backs here. Uh, you got me excited. I mean, this is where fantasy football glory is made. Uh Kendra Miller, uh, six foot, 214 pounds at a TCU. Uh, I had, uh, again, some people have him as high as three. So you're, I could tell by your, your, you're not even looking at him as a top five option, are you? Well, no, I was smiling because I like him. Oh, good. All right. So still, where do you have him ranked? Start with that. Five. Okay. I have him at number five. And I, I will admit, I'm a sizist. He does <laughs> fit this 60206. So let's see if he okay. comes in that. Remember, context, he played behind Zach Evans, who was a five-star prospect at TCU. And Zach Evans and him basically kind of shared the backfield. Zach Evans went to Mississippi this year. Kendra Miller took over for the Horn Frogs. Allen, he was unbelievable this year. His number, 6.7 yards per carry. He's explosive for a big man. He can run between the tackles. He's not B. John Robinson. He's not Zach Charbonnet, but he's good between the tackles. His limit, he only had 29 receptions. Part of it, but I, I go back to Jonathan Taylor. I learned from him. It's the system. Max Duggan and the Horn Frogs were not throwing a lot of dump-off passes. Is he adequate as a receiver? Yes. Have I seen it on tape? Do I think he's prolific? Like, a you know, I go back. I always use Ricky Waters as the standard, if you remember him from the 49ers and the Eagles, superior pass catcher. No, he's not that. Is he good? Yes. He had 22% of the scrimmage yards from TCU, a little below, I'm looking for 25% of the total offense. Here's one thing I think dynasty owners don't talk enough about that NFL guys do. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, 
Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. They want to see that the player can take the workload. They want to see, because here's, this is having loved football for 40 years, there's a physical nature, obviously, if you love the NFL. And what the dominator or what the scrimmage yards dominator shows me is the player is physically capable of taking that pounding. And the NFL likes that. Like That's a Zeke, like, Zeke Elliott being the ultimate example of that, right? I mean, yes. Yeah. And, I mean, because they say, well, he did it in college. We know he can do it, and especially at this size, right? If you're mm-hmm. over 200. So those types of things matter to NFL teams and coaches because they want, even though they're rotating, they want to feel comfortable if they have to play a guy and give him 18, 20 carries, he can do it. So Kendry Miller just falls below my benchmark, which is a little, you know, but I like everything else about him, but he's a guy. Now, if he goes in the second round, I'm 100% in. If he goes day three, I'm, I'm going to really question. Like, let's see. But we know it'll be mistakes. It'll be more if day three means more landing spot dependent. Like Tyler Algier yeah. was a good example of that. Perfect. Fifth fifth round, but everyone was like, "Oh, wait a second, it's Cordell Patterson ahead of him." And yeah. you know, right? Damian Pierce was another example of you were. Ha- yes. He got he got zipped into the top twelve of dynasty rookie drafts because of where he was, and people liked him. It's no doubt yeah, about yeah. it. People liked him. So, and you'd also make an interesting point is that these running backs by real NFL teams get drafted, chewed up, and very few of them get lucrative second contracts. I mean, that's why almost the running backs need a separate union because they're, they're in a totally different dynamic than the wide receivers, quarterbacks, and you know even the tight ends. Podcast for a, a topic for a different day. Uh, John Lab, I want everyone, if you love videos like this, and I know you do because you're watching or listening uh, to Dynasty content, rookie content, consider giving us a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you have it, and Absolutely. John, tell them where they can find you on Twitter. I know um, your everything's linked to, uh, below, but what do you work on right now that you want people mostly to, uh, to know about and they need to follow? Oh, thank you. Um, FootballDieHards.com. I'm actually celebrating, Alan, my 10th anniversary Sick. of doing Sick. my player profiles. And I've, I've actually done like the top 15 players that I've ranked in the last 10 years. So you can see like Bijan's right now my number five running back in the last five years behind Zeke, Saquon, um, oh, Zeke, Saquon, um, Jonathan Taylor, and why can't I think of, oh, Brees Hall. That's four. And then the top four. Now I could move Bijan above Brees Hall. I'm still debating it, but just based on the, in dynasty, Bijan's going to go ahead of just based on like, you're not going to have, yeah, you're not going to have Brees Hall for at least the first month. I I think maybe half the season, but you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, that breaks my heart losing Brees Hall. I was a Brees Hall guy. Um, And then if you want to see my video stuff, Matt Hicks and I are on YouTube. We have a show called the draft seminar on the rookie big board. And tonight, Alan, we are filming our first four episodes for the next 10 weeks. 
we break down in about seven to ten minute segments 40 rookies that will be in dynasty drafts. Okay. And, you know, you can see that anytime. Just follow John on Twitter, and uh, as I do, and you can get all his rookie content. And everybody knows the purpose of this podcast is just to talk to great uh, experts like yourself and, and get us up to speed on what we need to know so we can dominate our rookie draft. All right, let me just get you into some basic uh, – you know what? We're going to do lightning round here. Okay. What is your one or two – you have – if someone said, I need a headline for the Senior Bowl, give me one or two headlines, something that you think – dynasty players need to know about whether it was a, a good performance, bad performance, someone to keep an eye on a sleeper. What are the two most important takeaways that you've observed this week from the senior bowl? Two running backs are going to go on day three that you've got to know. Now, Eric Gray, at Oklahoma. I liked him at Tennessee. Then he transferred to Oklahoma for 2021 and he sat behind um, Kennedy. Brooke, Kennedy Brooks, the running back. Oh, yeah, I remember Kennedy Brooks from so last year. Yeah. He, he didn't have a great season. This year, Allen, I went back to the tape. He had over 1,300 yards rushing, but here's what th- they changed coaches. Lincoln Riley went over to USC. Brett Venables came in. You know what Eric Gray proved to me? He ran between the tackles hard. Venables ran a different offense. 5 9 two, 10, 99 career receptions multi-purpose back. I talked about scrimmage yards dominator. He had a 28% dominator rating for the Sooners. He can handle a big workload. Glowing reports out of Mobile. I love the film. I moved him up right now, Alan. He's my number nine running back in this class. I like him a ton. The guy who everyone likes, and I do too, but I always am concerned about group of five prospects power five sec acc big 10 big 12 pac 12 we know what they are they're going to be good the numbers are not good your chance of being a top 24 running back from the group of five allen in the last three years in ppr scoring less than 20 percent so i always am a little bit reserved tajay spears though out of tulane If he goes in the second round, Alan, he might be in that 20%, right? He might break the mold. Tajay Spears just had an incredible season for Tulane. 29% of the scrimmage yards dominator, my friend. 48 career receptions, 6.8 yards per carry, and he showed up at 204. 200 pounds is a magical number, people. It is a magical number. In the last three years, there's only been three running backs who are under 200 pounds who had a top 20 fantasy football season in PPR scoring. And it was like Naheem Hines, J.D. McKissick, and they never are repeatable. Austin Eckler's listed at 200. He's the smallest guy, and he's the ultimate outlier. He's ultimate. Out, yeah, you can. You're never going to find another guy like that. Or, and if you do, it's you're. He's not even going to get drafted, right? Yeah, he it's, wasn't even drafted. I right. mean, so, but that's it. Two hundred pounds is a magical number in PPR scoring. When he hit, he hit two hundred four, and everyone loves him. I'm all in on Tajay Spears. Still a little concerned. I need <clears> to see second day two draft capital. That means he has an injury problem. From his first year in 2020, Allen, we don't know. He looked great on the field. But what do the medicals tell us? If he's day two, 
The NFL's all in. If he's day three, there's some red flags in the medicals. And what do we look for with our dynasty rosters? Basically that we want to go lean and mean at wide receiver and then just load up the back of our rosters with players like this, right? I mean, because even if someone like Spears is not not going to be a workhorse running back, but we want to look for guys in our dynasty league that are the RB3s because all the RB2s on the on, on the real NFL rosters, they're roster already, right? So <laughs> yeah. guys, that can, guys that can get activated on game day and then have these short windows where, you know, you know, if Spears is named the starter one specific week, even if it's like a two-week window kind of like Khalil Herbert from a couple years ago you know that you could project a, a good fantasy day when it happens like when Cooper Cup gets injured we don't know who the wide receiver and the answer was nobody right <laughs> I mean, running backs are always easier to project week to week we say elite wide receivers are more year to year so these names like Spears like Eric Gray great to know because if they do crack a roster uh, and have good draft capital under the RB2 RB3 on their team we're going to want those guys and we just want them sitting on our bench until we need to break glass and push them into a starting role. And again, I use the example of Khalil Herbert from two years ago. And if you were, I was winning my dynasty leagues and then I was like, oh no. And then I put him in, it kind of buoyed where I was. All right. So you gave us those two great takeaways from the senior bowl. Let's um, uh, uh, try and bowl, right? Try and bowl. Uh, it doesn't get as much attention as the senior bowl, but what was the headline from the shrine bowl that happens in Vegas? And it's going to be the next thing the NFL pushes up here as we're closing in in our hour. So what was one big takeaway? You talked about flowers already. So is there anything else that came out of the shrine bowl in Vegas that is uh, noteworthy or a sleeper? I put in air quotes for dynasty players to know as rookie drafts start to come up. So it's interesting because the shrine bowl is going to give us a running back who we don't know, Xavier Holiday or Xavier um, Valaday, the running back who was at Arizona State originally began at Wyoming. He has NFL size, Allen. And what's interesting, I had some questions about Wyoming. Now, if you haven't watched Wyoming football, and I've watched too much Wyoming football since they had Josh Allen and Brian Hill. If you remember that running back coming out, I got, I got some shots with the Falcons. I've watched a lot. They're a run-oriented team that plays good defense. Valaday was their running back, but it was a group of five programs. So I had questions. He moved to Arizona State. So he made that nice jump up to the power five, Allen, And he was really good this year at, at Arizona State. And I believe he's 6'0", and he's like 220. I, I think you're looking. Is that the, about the yes. correct? Yep. Yes. So he's got NFL size. He's got NFL productivity in my model. If he goes in round five, the NFL will like him and he'll have a shot. And I love those guys in DFS. You mentioned it, right? We love them in redraft season long. But then all of a sudden, hey, I play Khalil Herbert tons in, in DFS, right? Last two years when he gets the start. If, if Xavier Valaday makes an NFL roster or gets drafted in the fifth round. He has that NFL size and he's proven it at two levels. And I've read good things about him down at the Shrine Bowl. I'm telling you, you know what I feel bad for you alluded to it. I think the veteran running backs are going to get pounded in this free agent class. Anyone who knows what they're doing, there's so many running backs coming out in this draft class. Why not draft one in the third round and just don't pay right. the veteran? But that you're right. That's a whole nother podcast for another day. But man, it's it's not looking good for veteran free agent running backs. 
All right, Dino, let's just uh, uh, lightning round of two, two more questions because I could talk to you all day. You've generous <laughs> with your time. You're generous with your time, and you know we'll certainly have you back if you're available over the coming weeks. And uh, of course, we'll have you on the SiriusXM show as we start to get into all the rookie stuff. Uh, no one has better takes on this stuff than you, my friend. All right, um, Dynasty League as a whole, not necessarily rookies. What, what do you think is uh, as people are heading into startup season here? What's a piece of advice that you should caution that even experienced players? What's a mistake that people keep making? Whether it's a roster construction, whether it's going after a certain type of player, what's one or two piece of advice you can caution people in startup draft season for Dynasty? Pushing running backs too up too far up the board. You alluded to it, Alan. Just dip into the third and fourth rounds. Just grab a bucket of running backs. Hope they get an opportunity. Hope they have NFL size. If they have one great trait, if they have something, you break down the film or you read something, but they have a dominant trait that they can excel. Look at Tyler Algier. His dominant trait was size between the tackles. He was a fifth round pick. Most people didn't even like him. I wasn't in love with him before the draft. I had people who actually said he was awful. You know, not, I didn't think he was awful. I didn't think he was great. But there were literally takes out there that he's a terrible prospect. He just had 1,000 yards, right? right? So draft wide receivers and dual threat quarterbacks early. Just grab a handful of running backs and hope that they succeed. Don't push. I know we're all desperate the running back position, right? But if you have a pick at like 10 or 11 – don't push a bad running back up the board. Take the wide receiver, the end, like Jahan Dotson. If if Jahan Dotson last year turns out he was a great value in dynasty drafts, it's seven touchdowns in what limited games? I think right. he played 10 games or something like that. Yeah. Take well, the, value. the example is that Dotson was a, a, a mid first round in the real NFL mid draft. First. And he he's going to be a better, even though James Cook was the um, the the higher ADP, like people yeah. were taking him at pick 9, 10, 11, you should have taken Dotson according. So that, that does make a lot of sense. And in the third round, you were routinely, of your rookie drafts last year, you were getting uh, Brian Robinson. You were getting Algier and all those guys. And, John and La- Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, right? I mean, that's the ultimate example. Exactly. That's the ultimate, yeah. Yeah, that's a great, I forgot Pacheco, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep. Team context matters. And uh, yeah, we can find those guys late. All right. John Laub, you did it again. Everybody, you follow him as uh, as we talked about. You follow me at Alan Soslowski. And just a programming note, we'll be back every Monday with a new Dynasty podcast on the Rotowire feed. So if you like videos like this, consider hitting like, subscribe to the channel. And if you have SiriusXM, we've been putting up new episodes of the Dynasty Hour. Two new episodes going up. On Monday, February 6th, we have a, a new Dynasty guest each week. I'm sure we'll have John on there talking about all this rookie stuff and uh, getting you ready for your startup drafts all season long. All right, everybody, get into some of the startups. Uh, get those trades going, and good luck in your Dynasty leagues. And if you have any questions about any of the players that we talked about today, uh, John's DMs and, and Twitter is always open. You can always uh, hit us up at Rotowire, at Gridiron Scholar, at Alan Soslowski. We'll see you next week with another Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you.